When somebody loved me, everything was beautiful. Every hour we spent together lives within my heart. And when she was sad, I was there to dry her tears. And when she was happy, so was I. When she loved me Through the summer and the fall We had each other, that was all Just she and I together Like it was meant to be And when she was lonely I was there to comfort her and I knew that she loved me. So the years went by, I stayed the same, but she began to drift away. I was left alone. Still I waited for the day when she'd say I will always love you. forgotten never thought she'd look my way and she smiled at me and held me just like she used to do like she loved me when she loved me when somebody loved me Everything was beautiful Every hour we spend together Lives within my heart When she loved me As we gather together this morning, may we remember that when you share with me what is most important to you, that is where listening begins. When I show you that I hear you, when I say your life matters, that's where compassion begins. When I open the door to greet you, that's where hospitality begins. When I venture out to bring you into shelter, that's where love begins. When I risk my comfort to ease your suffering, when I act against hatred and oppression, that is where courage begins. When I open my eyes and my heart to the burdens you carry, when I affirm your profound worth and dignity, that is where justice begins. When we experience the full presence of each other because of our shared humanity, because of our differences. That's where holy gratitude begins. For our gathering is not complete until all are welcome. So may this be a space of beauty where together we create a series of miracles and where all that we share is sacred. These opening words based on some by Andre Mole welcome all those who've gathered here on Zoom this morning to take part in our Sunday service. 
welcome to regular members of the congregation, to friends and visitors who are with us today, and to anyone who might be listening in via the podcast or watching on YouTube at a later date. For anyone who doesn't know me, my name's Jane Blackall and I'm Ministry Coordinator with Kensington Unitarians. If anyone's here for the first time today, a special welcome to you. Hope you find something of what you need in our gathering this morning. Please do hang around afterwards for a chat or drop me a line in the week if you'd like. You might want to come to one of our little gatherings online in, in order to know us a bit better. And to the regulars, thanks for all you do to welcome all who come, because we've all got a part to play in co-creating this beloved community. Feel free to do what you need to do to be comfortable. Um, it's fine to keep your cameras off, though it's also lovely to see you. There'll be opportunities to join in, but no obligation. It's, it's fine to lurk. You have our blessing. This morning's service is titled Getting to Know You. This theme was suggested by our own Patricia Brewerton, who will be offering her reflections on the matter later in this service. We'll be considering what it means to truly know and be known, and in so doing, love and be loved in community. Before we go any further, though, I'm going to light our chalice as we do each time we gather. It's a simple ritual that connects us with Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists the world over, and which reminds us of the proudly progressive historic tradition of which this gathering is part. We seek our place in this beautiful, heartbreaking world, and we search for our answers to the world's many deep questions. As we seek, may our hearts be truly open, open to unexpected answers, open to the wise insights of others, open to forming new and ever deeper connections within, between and beyond ourselves. May the light of our chalice remind us that this is always a community of warmth, of wisdom and of welcoming.
Who Knows You, by Kathleen McTeague. Some of the old New England graveyards are serene little pockets of neglect. Their slate tombstones lean at odd angles and the elegant calligraphy is barely legible, spelling out obscure colonial names like Ozias and Zebulon. Some of their inscriptions that can still be deciphered tell poignant stories of sons and husbands fallen in long-ago wars and young wives lost in childbirth. Clusters of brick-sized stones mark the deaths of children in some catastrophic winter. The engraved cries of lament, farewell beloved daughter, evoke a tug of grief even now, though the people have been dust and earth for 200 years or more. One of these graveyards in my town evokes a sadness of a different sort, held in the inscription on a modern tombstone marking the resting place of Franklin F. Bailey. He was born in 1901 and buried in 1988, so he lived a long time. But his epistaph says simply, Here lies a man that nobody really knew. What a strange message to leave echoing down the years. And what a freight of sadness is held in that short phrase. It tells of isolation, loneliness, a life lived invisibly, a voice unheard. Here lies a man that nobody really knew. Who knows you? We each move through the world caught within the bubble of our own mind, circling around each other like small planets on which each of us is only a citizen. Spiritual practices are meant to turn us directly into the inner landscape so we can know it well without illusion. But their larger purpose is to show us pathways to one another because with practice we come to know a bedrock truth of this human life. However different each inner landscape is from all the others, the same winds blow through us all. They are the winds of longing and fear, doubt, hope and regret. No one's exempt. That simple recognition opens a deep well of compassion, both for our own struggles and for those taking place behind all the faces that surround us. I wonder about Franklin Bailey every time I walk through that little graveyard. I also wonder about the Franklin Baileys who walk among us, who today is living a life of unremitting loneliness in my town, in my neighbourhood, perhaps even in my own family. Before it comes time for a sad epitaph summing up their isolation, perhaps we can extend a bridge of compassion, allowing them to feel seen, heard and touched, to be known a little in the brief common walk of our lives. Thanks, Anthony, for pre-recording that reading for us today. So we're moving now into a time of meditation. To take us into the stillness, I'm going to offer a few words by Robert T. Weston. They're perhaps a little tangential to today's theme, but they remind us of the interconnection of all of us and all that is, a connection that we're not always aware of, but is nonetheless ever-present. The words will be followed by a few moments of shared stillness, during which we'll have our virtual chalice on screen, and the silence will end with another lovely song from Marilisa. So again, let's each do what we need to do to get comfortable. Maybe get your feet flat on the floor to ground and steady yourself. Maybe close your eyes or look at the chalice flame. As I always say, the words, the images, the music, they are just an offering. Feel free to use this time to meditate in your own way. There is a living web that runs through us to all the universe, linking us each with each 
and through all life on to the distant stars. Each knows a little corner of the world and lives as if this were the all. We no more see the further reaches of the threads than we see of the future, and yet they're there. Touch but one thread, no matter which, the thoughtful eye may trace to distant lands its firm continuing strand, yet lose its filaments as they reach out, but find at last it coming back to the one from whom it led. We move as in a fog, aware of self, but only dimly conscious of the rest, as they are close to us in sight or feeling. New objects loom up for a time, fade in and out, and sometimes as we look on unawares, the fog lifts, and then there's the web in shimmering beauty, reaching past all horizons. We catch our breath, stretch out our eager hands, and then in comes the fog again, and we go on, feeling a little foolish, doubting what we'd seen. The hands were right. The web is real. Our folly is that we so soon forget.
Some say love, it is a river that drowns the tender reed. Some say love, it is a razor that leaves your soul to some say love, it is a hunger, an endless aching need. I say love, it is a flower, and you it's only seen. It's the heart afraid of breaking that never learns to dance. It's the dream afraid of waking that never takes the chance. It's the Taken, who cannot seem to give and the soul afraid of dying that never learns to live when the night has been too lonely and the road has been too long and you think that love is only for the lucky and the strong just remember Lies the seed that with the sun's love in the spring becomes the rose. Vulnerability and Connection by Karen Young. The best part of being human is being able to connect with other humans. We're hardwired for it. We live in tribes and families, work in groups, love as couples and thrive in friendships. The drive to connect is in all of us, whether we acknowledge it or not. Yet we're seeing more loneliness, more depression, more broken relationships, more disconnection. What's happening? Vulnerability is the driving force of connection. It's brave, it's tender. It's impossible to connect without it. 
but we've turned it into a weakness. We've made ourselves strong. We've toughened up, hardened up, and protected ourselves from being hurt. We've protected ourselves from vulnerability and disallowed the surrender. Here's the problem. When we close down our vulnerability, we are shielded from hurt, but we're also shielded from love, intimacy, and connection. They come to us through the same door. When we close it to one, we close it to all. Without vulnerability, relationships struggle. Vulnerability is, here I am, my frayed edges, my secrets, my fears, my affection. Be careful, they're precious. In return, it invites, oh, I see you there. It's okay, you're safe. And here, here's me. It builds trust, closeness, and a sense of belonging. Relationships won't thrive without it. Vulnerability is openness to experiences, people, and uncertainty. It's terrifying at times, and brave always. Occasionally we get hurt. Relationship pain is an unavoidable part of being human. When it happens, it can be devastating. I know, but we can see this for what it is, a mismatch of people, a redirection, a learning, a happening. Or we can take it as a warning and protect ourselves from the possibility of being hurt again. In this case, we make the decision to not be vulnerable. We shut it down. By shutting down to the risks of being vulnerable, we also shut down to the possibilities. The possibility of joy, intimacy, closeness, gratitude, and connection. When people believe themselves worthy of connection, they're more likely to move towards others. They'll be the first to say, I love you. They'll be quick to say, I miss you. Not just in the absence, but in the growing apart. They'll ask for help and they'll be open to the love, affection and influence of others. They'll be grateful. They'll be connected. This doesn't mean they'll always get what they want. What it means is that they are more willing to be open and vulnerable in relationships because their potential for shame is less. If the connection falls short, if the I love you is left hanging, the I miss you isn't returned. The request for help is declined. People who believe they are worthy of connection are less likely to blame themselves and their own unworthiness for the disconnection. They are often the people who people want to be with. They give to the relationship and they receive openly, abundantly, honestly, with love and gratitude. They allow themselves to be vulnerable to the uncertainty and they make it safe for others to do the same. Hi, I'm Patricia. I've been attending Essex Church for well over a year now. 
and I'm still enjoying getting to know you. When I used to teach in junior church, one of the stories I often used was The Stone Doll of Sister Brute by the American writer Russell Holborn. Sister Brute is the nicest member of the Brute family, which comprises Mama and Papa Brute and two brother Brutes, a big brother and a little brother. As the name implies, this is not the nicest or happiest family in the woods. One day, Sister Brute, needing something to love, asked her mother for a doll, but was given a stone instead. Undeterred, Sister Brute drew a face on the stone, made it a dress, named it Alice Brute Stone, and took it off with her into the woods. Although Alice Brute's stone was hard and heavy, Sister Brute loved her. One day, while she was walking in the woods, she came across an ugly yellow dog. His hair was matted and dirty, and his hobnailed boots were shabby and worn. Love me, demanded the dog. No, said Sister Brute. I have my stone doll to love, so go away. A kicking match took place, which obviously the dog with hobnailed boots was better placed to win. Sister Brute then threw her doll at him, and of course the dog immediately thought this was a game and evidence that he was loved. So he began to follow Sister Brute through the woods, kicking her as they went along. Finally, tired with the weight of the heavy stone and the bruises of the kicking dog, she asks her mother if there is anything else to love. It takes Mother Brute a while to think about this. Then she looks at Alice Brute's stone's face and sees that it looks like her. This is a bit unlikely, perhaps, but it triggers something. And finally, she suggests that Sister Brute might like to try loving her. And then all love breaks out in the brute family and happiness descends. Of course, there's a lot we could unpack in this story, but I used it simply to point out to the children how much alike we all are as a way of encouraging them to respect each other. And science supports the fact that we are very much alike because apparently, all human beings are 99.9% identical in their genetic makeup. But I suggest when we come in contact with a new group of people, we are more inclined to notice the differences than the likenesses. When I was younger, I would notice how old everyone was until I noticed the other young people in the group. Now I frequently think how young everyone is and wonder whether I will fit in. We all come in contact with new groups of people at various times in our life, but I'm going to focus on meeting new people in church. Churches all welcome new people into their congregations and seek to get to know them. During the pandemic, many of these new people would have arrived at a church through Zoom, as I did. 
And this, of course, makes it more difficult to get to know the congregation. People don't even always look the same online as they do in person. But even when we do meet people face to face, how do we get to know them? I was prompted to really think about this by a play I saw recently, in which a father attempts to get to know a long lost son. Tell me a little about yourself, the father says. I'm sure we have all faced a similar request at some time or other, but where do we start? The son tries with the usual details about his job, his family, etc. But this is not what the father wants. The son tries again. He talks about his politics and even goes so far as describing his wife's ears and the way he tries to get comfortable in bed. I sat there pondering, what would I answer about myself if asked the same question? What would I want people to know about me? And what would they want to know about me? Eventually, the father gets angry and he realizes that he really wants to make an emotional connection with the son to feel what we call love. Love. Love is a word we hear frequently in church and I sometimes feel that it is used too easily as if love is easy. During the How to Be a Unitarian course, I read a lot about the power of love being a fundamental principle of Unitarianism, as it is in mainstream Christianity. Paul Rasser writes that love creates relationships of respect. Respect is relatively easy. I read recently that Jamaicans use the word respect when they greet other people, no matter who they are because we are all made in God's image and should appreciate each other's value. But Rasa goes on to describe love as a dynamic and transformative power that moves us to create relationships of compassion, mutuality and forgiveness. This kind of love demands more than just getting to know people. It might demands much more than simply respecting them. In the play, the father finally asks his son if he is angry or frightened. In other words, he wants him to reveal his vulnerability. It seems that only by doing this will the father find the love he seeks. The French poet-philosopher, Edouard Gleeson, considers what it means to expose our vulnerability to others. For him, everyone has the right to remain opaque. It is not necessary for cultures or people to be transparent. I don't think it is even really possible. Gleeson poses this question. Can we even be open to others without losing something of ourselves? I would like to change this around a little and ask, must be we willing to give something of ourselves in order to be open to others? In other words, do we need to acknowledge something of our vulnerability in order to know the transformative power of love?
the kind of love which is required if we are to create loving communities. The Unitarian practice of lighting candles of joy and concern offers a chance to give something of ourselves in community. Heart and Soul and the Gratitude WhatsApp group are other ways of giving something of ourselves. But I am one of those who actually find it hard to admit vulnerability. I learned at the age of six not to reveal my vulnerability. And I'm much better at being a strong, caring person than seeking comfort from others. But I know we are all in need of the support of loving communities and have always thought that this was the most important thing that churches can offer. That is probably why I'm here. Can I finish by returning to Sister Brute? Even when she finds love in her family, she keeps on loving Alice Brutestone and the yellow kicking dog. All loving communities have heavy stone dolls to carry, and if they're lucky, they may have the odd yellow kicking dog to keep them on their toes. Well, thanks, Patricia, for your thoughtful reflection and for suggesting another excellent theme, which would give us a lot to talk and ponder about. Let's sing together now one last time, another old favourite. Uh, when our heart is in a holy place, sung for us by the Unitarian Music Society. Feel free to sing along or not as you prefer. Thank you. 
I've got a few announcements to get through this morning. Um, thanks again to Patricia for a great reflection, to Anthony and Chloe for our readings, to Marilisa for our lovely songs, and to Maria for hosting. We'll have virtual coffee time after the service, uh, so do hang around and have a chat. Uh, if you want to get in touch via email during the week, of course you can. And if you can bear to hang around, we'd like to take a group photo after the closing music. Next week, we will have our membership service and AGM. Uh, this will be a hybrid service and more on that in a moment. But please do renew your membership this week if you can. I know it's tedious, but it's really tedious for me to chase people up. So do me a favour and just send me an email. Thank you. Um, details on how to renew are in the email that I sent out on Thursday. It's not dependent on financial contributions. It's about pledging your support for the future of this congregation. New, mem new members are also very welcome. Get in touch if you want to find out more about that. And we will be welcoming new members, people who have joined in the last year in next Sunday service. As I said, next Sunday will be a hybrid service. We're going to double the frequency from now on. Uh, we, we were doing hybrid once a month. Now we're going to do twice a month. Our plan over the summer is to alternate between hybrid services and Zoom only still. I do know that some people are desperate to get back into the building on a weekly basis. I also know that others are very concerned that their online access to services might be curtailed. We are doing our very, very best to make hybrid happen full time as soon as we possibly can to keep us all together. We're planning to go every week at the start of September, but we are very, very stretched behind the scenes at the moment. So I ask for your patience. You'll doubtless hear more about this at the AGM next week, but we're understaffed, undervolunteered, and the process of managing all the changes of the last few years has been hard on us all. So I ask everyone to bear that in mind and, and be patient for just a little while longer while we get our act together. Um, the poetry group led by Brian, Marianne and David is going to return as an in-person gathering once a month at Essex Church uh, starting Wednesday the 1st of June at 7 o'clock. Uh, the plan is to meet every first Wednesday of the month, um, bring a favourite poem or two uh, to read and share. Uh, suggestion is to pick poems about summer or indeed about any subject of your choice. Um, let the group know in advance that you plan to come and send a copy of your poetry choices to David so they can be included in a handout for everyone to read along. All of the information and David's email are in the Friday email. The rest of our online programme continues. We've got coffee morning as usual at 10.30 this Tuesday. We will be shifting to Wednesday mornings in June. There's still a few spaces left for Heart and Soul this week, which is on the theme of authentic living. If you've never been before, it is still not too late to start. Uh, it's on tonight and on Friday at seven o'clock. Again, email me to sign up and get the link to join. This congregation very much has a life beyond Sunday mornings. We encourage you to keep in touch as best you can. Drop each other a line. Let's look after each other. Oh, one last announcement. Our very own Abby Larimia, our music scholar, uh, is coming to the end of her master's studies and will be having a graduating graduation recital on Monday the 30th of May, uh, late morning, I think, at the Royal Academy of Music. All are welcome. And again, the details were in the Friday email if you want to go along. Whew, I think that's everything. Just some closing words and music now. So once again, I invite you to select gallery view so that we can all see each other and get a sense of our gathered community for the benediction. Our time together ends. May faith sustain us, hope inspire us and love surround us as we go our separate ways. The love that overcomes all differences, heals all wounds, puts flight all fears, that reconciles all who are separated. Be in us, among us, now and always, 
as we build and embody beloved community. And may the quality of our lives be a benediction, a blessing to all we meet along the way, as we each go out and face the days to come. Amen. Getting to know you, getting to know all about you. Getting to like you, getting to hope you like me. Getting to know you, putting it my way but nicely. You are precisely my cup of tea. Getting to know you, getting to feel free and easy. When I am with you, getting to know what to say. Haven't you noticed suddenly I'm bright and breezy because of all the beautiful and new things I'm learning about you. Getting to know you, getting to know all about you. Getting to like you, getting to hope you like me. Getting to know you, putting it my way but nicely. You are precisely my cup of Getting to know you, getting to feel free and easy. When I am with you, getting to know what to say. Haven't you noticed, suddenly I'm bright and breezy.